Greetings and welcome to another PATC podcast. My name is Mark Waterfill. I am the president and owner of Public Agency Training Council. Uh, We are the country's largest and longest running provider of seminars for law enforcement, fire. Uh, We do classes for educators. And we have with us here today, great instructor, Lisa Grossman. Lisa, say hello to our audience. Hello, everybody. Tell us a, a bit about your background. Well, um, I'll give you the condensed version. I've been working in performance psychology for a little over 15 years, um, primarily working with stress management, resiliency, performance, mental wellness. I worked for a company for a number of years, and that allowed me the opportunity to work on an Army contract with the United States Army. They implemented a program across the country, and I got to be a part of that, which was fantastic. Uh, and help train at the different centers, the folks that were going to be working there, got to write a lot of biofeedback protocols that they used. Um, and it was hugely successful for the soldiers getting ready to deploy and helping them with their transition back. From there, went ahead and started working with wounded warriors and assisting them in their transition back into the civilian world. Pretty much the the largest problem. I mean, they, they had a range of injuries, but a huge one that was suffered by a lot of folks is post-traumatic stress, of course. And then about six or so years ago, I shifted into working primarily with first responders and law enforcement because I come from a family of law enforcement. And I said, why aren't we providing this stuff for them? They, they need it more than anybody ever before. Uh, so I started putting some programs together and designed some programs specifically for them. And I've been teaching across the country since. That's fantastic. Tell our listeners a little bit about your educational background and how you first uh, got involved in this area. I went to school for way too long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Started out, my background actually is in sports medicine. I'm a board certified athletic trainer and was involved in sports medicine for many years and then went and did my master's and really started looking at how psychology affects or impacts um, injuries and how it impacts recovery. And then I completely did a 180 and went to the psych side and uh, looked at um, how important that mental health component is and that piece is. So shifted onto there and went and did my doctorate in performance psychology from Florida State University, which was fantastic. Um, And that's really given me a lot of opportunities, but I still keep my certification in athletic training and sports medicine because a lot of what I do involves that also. And officers have, and firefighters, EMTs, and and all first responders have quite a bit of, of issues and challenges with injuries and things like that. So I really make sure I keep up on the literature with that end, but primarily my focus is shifting to mental health stress. And- it is an issue that I think nationally is being discussed more and more. And, and why is that? Why, why does it appear that, that mental health issues are becoming more and more prominent? Um, we're not providing the tools and the resources and the education to our first responders that they need to be able to manage what they're going to face in this career. I think, um, you know, for a long time, it was done a certain way. My mom was a police officer for 32 years. So I've been around this profession my entire life. <laughs> and so my brother's an officer, my sister, and my brother-in-law are all uh, in law enforcement. And, you know, it's always been done a certain way, but the human brain is not wired to see and do the things that these men and women have to see and do on a daily basis. 
and they do it for 25, 30, 35 years. And without the proper understanding or knowledge or know-how or coping skills in place, uh, it takes a toll. It takes a toll on the mind. It takes a toll on the body and it takes a toll on people's emotions. And so I think over time, especially in the last few years, we're really seeing where it's impacting our first responders uh, with law enforcement in particular, our rate of suicide among law enforcement has gone up. Um, and we, ha- we have to do a better job. We have to, you know, we provide all this training, this tactical training and all of that. And, and I understand that and in-service training every year for agencies. And that's important, obviously. But we also need to fill in the blank and cover the human factor and provide people the tools and the resources to be able to navigate this career. What's a normal response to some of these challenges? What's normal? What's not? How to recognize within yourself when you're having a difficulty? How to recognize each other, you know, if somebody else is having some difficulties? how to look at things differently when you're done with a call, how to process the trauma that you're exposed to early on. You know, a lot of folks always shelf it and they expect the shelf to just sit there. And the thing I hear a lot with officers is I'll deal with it when I'm retired or I'll deal with it when I'm dead. And I'm like, well, that shelf is going to come crashing down if you don't deal with it soon. So I, I think we're really starting to see the impact of it. And uh, and sadly, we're I, I don't think we're doing enough. One of our instructors who teaches a similar class has relayed to me a, a situation where one of the attendees uh, said, you know, she observed or, or came into a crime scene of a triple homicide and the next morning came into work and everyone acted as if everything was the same. Do, do you have those types of uh, uh, episodes communicated to you from some of your attendees? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and there's the things I've heard over the years and, and I always tell everybody, I said, whatever you had to live through, I can hear about it. So you tell me unload it and get it off your chest. So I I take anything in, but um, I've heard a lot of that. I think people are just not sure what to say or what to ask. Um, A lot of agencies around the country are doing a much better job with uh, training personnel in peer support and CISM. So after a significant call, after a critical incident, some of these members may reach out to those officers and stay in touch with them. Um, I think there's still some, some better work that can be done in terms of that follow-up, but these things impact people. They stay with people forever. I mean, trauma impacts the brain and we, we have to recognize that and, and teach people that that's normal. It's not, it's a normal response to a very abnormal situation. It's not normal to go in and see a scene where there's multiple deaths. It's not normal to see scenes that involve children and other things like that. It's, it's horrific. And those things stay with people. And we have to recognize that some people it takes, it it takes a tremendous toll on and we got to support each other. Absolutely. Talk a little bit about the specific classes that you teach for PATC and what all is involved uh, in those classes. So the classes that I put together are are based off of a program I I developed called Armor, Acquired Resilience for Mastering Operational Response. Um, And I teach a two-day class for PATC, and it can be taught in various different ways. But my whole goal with this class and this content is prevention. Everybody is waiting till a problem happens. They're bringing in mental health providers and on-site counselors and in-house co- counselors for agencies. And that's all good. We, we need all those things and beefing up EAP and, and doing those things. And that's important. And we definitely need that in CISM and peer support. All of that is important. But my position is why do we wait until there's a problem? Why aren't we doing a better job up front? 
and loading these men and women with the information and the content and the knowledge and the understanding of what to expect, what to anticipate, and how to manage it if they come to that point. And so that's where this program is geared toward. So I focus in on discussing the general ideas about stress and explaining to people what stress is, because a lot of people just really don't have an understanding of that, how it impacts the mind, the body, the emotional state, how it's tied in with mental health. We cover critical incident stress management and how that can tremendously compound some of those symptoms. We talk about TSD. We talk about burnout. I cover suicide prevention and intervention. I talk about the impact of this job on physical health, not just, you know, the body and the bones and, and muscular, but also cardiac, where the average rate, uh, average age of an officer having a heart attack is 49 years old. Oh my God. And the general population is 67. Some of these numbers. Yep. Wow. I, uh, I had an officer in one of my classes. He was voluntold to be there, which is always a fun. I always ask everybody, why are you here? Did you volunteer? Or were you voluntold? <clears throat> So he was voluntold and the guy next to him said, yeah, he's already had three heart attacks. And he said, I don't need to be here. I don't know why I was told to be here. I said, all right, well, hopefully I won't torture you too bad. You're, you're only here for a day. I said, but just bear with me and let's, let's talk at lunch and let's talk after the class. Well, after the class, I go up to him and I go, so, and he goes, okay, maybe this had to do with stress. <laughs> and I said, yeah, maybe. So, you know, I, I try to cover all that information. We cover a lot in a very short period of time. We, we go through a number of assessments because a lot of people don't really identify what's going on with themselves. So we do uh, assessments like burnout. And I always ask at the beginning of class, I said, who in here feels that they're burned out? And I usually get one person, if that, to raise their hand. And when you look at the scores, now granted, a lot goes into assessing if somebody is classified as burned out, diagnosed with burned out, being burned out. But when you look at the scores, I normally have approximately 80 to 90% of the class score in the high to extremely high range for burnout. So the assessments are great to give people the opportunity to see what's going on within themselves. And then I provide them the tools to help them navigate. Um, the other thing I cover is stress during a critical incident or during the job, not just the mental health impact, but how to regulate yourself on command when you got to get the job done. Because sometimes, and people forget, officers are human beings, that you, you there's that human factor. No matter what you do and all the preparation, sometimes that human factor overrides the response. And so teaching people to be able to identify that and regulate it immediately on command to perform optimally in, a, in a, that situation. We did this with the military and had a lot of great success. I did this with some sniper teams and things like that and, and taught them how to you know, self-control immediately and regulate so that they could then engage and do whatever needed done and then have the tools to be able to manage the impact of that situation once the dust settles. Are there breathing exercises that you go into? Yeah, we do breathing exercises and a lot of people like to call it different things, box breathing, tactical breathing. I just call it breathing. Um, everybody's rate is different, but it's triggering the body's, uh, you know, it's turning off that sympathetic nervous system, that stress response, or not just turning it off, but just controlling it. You know, we want people to be activated in a, in a you know, an important situation, a critical situation, but you have to be in control of that activation. So we go through breathing techniques for that. Uh, we do do biofeedback in the class, which we hook up to different machines. And I bring those in on board certified in biofeedback so that they can learn to identify how their thoughts and emotions impact their physiology and vice versa. Um, and we do a lot of other exercises. We do mindfulness, some guided imagery. A lot of problems, uh, a lot of things that I hear from folks is they have difficulty with sleeping. So I run them through some exercises to cover sleep and how to improve uh, the sleep process and how to engage in some of these exercises to quiet the body down before they try to go to sleep. So they get better sleep, stay asleep. What, what about yoga? Or is that involved? 
We don't do any of that in my classes. I, I've got a number of agencies who have incorporated into their training. I hear, you know, I've got some officers that love it and other officers say this ain't for me. And so, you know, you got to figure out what works for you. You know, I, I've got a guy on a SWAT team and somebody just sent him to yoga class and, I, and he's like, I can't do this crap. And I said, well, I think you can. And, and he tried it out and he's like, it wasn't too bad. But, you know, it, it like I said, it depends on the person um, and the feedback I get is, is very mixed. Um, but it's, it's a, an opportunity for people to sit quietly for a little bit. And that's very hard for this population <laughs> sometimes. So it's, it's you know, I, I try to teach people how to do these things. You don't need a ton of time. You don't need a half an hour class. You can learn to do it within a few minutes, but it's self-awareness and self-regulation. How to be aware of what's going on in your mind and body at any given moment and getting yourself where you need to be, whether you have to get ready to perform and go handle a call or you have to process a crime scene, or you got to walk in the door at the end of your shift and be, you know, part of your family and engage with them. Uh, whatever the situation may be, it's just learning how to regulate yourself. So, do you talk about an officer observing signs of PTSD or excessive stress in other officers and what they might look for? What What are some of the things you discussed in that regard? So in critical, the section that I cover in critical incident stress management, we talk about the long-term impact on folks. Uh, and we also talk about, you know, obviously suicide prevention and intervention. What are some of the signs to look for? How to identify, you know, withdrawal being a big one, um, significant changes in behavior and, and just engagement uh, and things like that. Unfortunately, I personally know of a, a few officers uh, who have sadly taken their lives. And the questions I always get from people is, you know, what did what did we miss? What could we have done differently? Um, it's it's very tricky, but there's definitely some, some things to look out for. Um, and a lot of people after the fact say, you know, I noticed something was off, but I just didn't know. A lot of people are uncomfortable to ask those questions. So I talk about that. Um, one of the other classes I teach is crisis intervention. And part of that is suicide intervention. And officers have no problem asking people that they don't know, are you thinking about taking your life? But to have to have to ask that question, somebody that you look at every day, your yeah. brother, your sister, is a whole different situation. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's a hard thing. And I, I, during my class, I talk about that. And, you know, it's learning to be comfortable being uncomfortable and asking those difficult questions. And people say, well, I don't want to upset them. I, you know, my response is, and I've had to ask these questions to people. I said, I'd rather have somebody mad at me for asking the question and then be alive than not ask and something bad happen and dreading it. So, um, you know, I, I talk about that and talk about how to navigate that conversation as well. Um, I teach at Western Carolina University in the uh, School of Criminal Justice. I'm 34 years retired law enforcement. And one of the things I tell my kids from the get-go is expect a roller coaster ride in this career. And you can go through so many emotions in one shift and so many um, devastations and so many happy, you know, happy times in one shift that I say, go in this prepared. And uh, I have an analogy of you have to be a kitten and a cobra within seconds of one another. And um, do you have anything to add to that? Because I tell these kids that and, and coming from from your expertise that to develop some passions beyond law enforcement before you get in something you really look forward to when you get off and say, gosh, that was over and that was great. But, you know, I'm going to do this volunteer program. I'm going to get to the gym and, and meet people that are not law enforcement related and talk to them in the gym. Can you can you expand on that? Because I will surely use it in the class on Tuesday. 
No, I, I think it's great. And, and thank you for all your years of service. Um, it, thank it, you. you. You you hit it spot on. It is a roller coaster. You can go in one shift and, and a lot of agencies are different. Some are on eight, some are on 10, some are on 12s. And a lot of times people are staying a lot longer than 12, depending on where you're at. And you can go from the highest of highs and having a save to seeing the worst of the worst. And that back and forth is mentally and physically depleting. And it's funny, you say you teach these young folks. I teach that at our, one of our police academies here. And I go in and I talk to them about all of this at the beginning. And then I see them once they're with an agency. And they'll find me and they say, hey, doc, I didn't know it was going to really be like that. I said, well, what'd you think it was going to be? That's what we've been hammering it into you. But, you know, you definitely you need that balance. The job can't be your entire life. It'll suck. The job will fail you. Yes, ma'am. It will, it will bleed you from the inside out. It will eat you from the inside out. You have to have that balance. You have to be able to, when you leave the job, and I understand not being, you know, everyone says, turn it off when you get home. That is not realistic. I don't tell people to do that. My mom was an officer for 32 years and she still talks about the calls that she went on and, and we'll be driving down the car and all of a sudden she'll have a flashback of something that she experienced and we talk through it and that's that. So, you know, it, you, you can't just leave it at home or you can't just leave it at the office. You have to find that balance. Working out helps release some of that stress. You have to find that away time. I call it me time. I tell everybody you should have five minutes of me time every day where you are not doing anything for anybody else, but you are just sitting quietly, not on your phone, not listening to the radio, nothing, just having that kind of few moments to just decompress and give yourself the opportunity mm -hmm. to just come down from the day. Whether you're at a 10 from something good or you're at a 10 from something bad, get back down to a one or you know one or two if possible before you walk in the door and you need to plan for things. How many, and I'm gonna ask you this, you'll probably laugh, how many officers do you know, and hopefully it wasn't you, that right before retirement, they go, well, we can leave three months early and still get paid because of all of our leave time that we acquired. And I always say, well, why the hell didn't you use it while you were working and have a day off when you needed it? And, you know, take, I'll plead the fifth. Oh yeah. I figured you were probably a guilty party. <laughs> yeah, listen, like I said, I've been around this profession. I've, I've never worn a uniform, but I, my, my whole family does it. I, it's just, it's funny because I see it all the time, but you have to find that time for you. Um, I, I always say you get into this job to care for others to help others to do right for others but if you're no good to yourself you're no good to anybody else and it's you know maybe selfish is not the right word but it's like being on the airplane and the masks come down and they say put it on you before you put it on someone else if you don't do that you're both passed out and you're no good to anybody so you have to find that that opportunity whenever you can to have that time away have friendships have relationships with people outside of the job it can't be shop talk 24 7 it really can't um, i call it emotional yeah emotional vacation yeah Lisa. yeah yes that's a great that's a great term um having timeouts lock yourself into a mandatory i tell my officers lock yourself into a mandatory day off and i know a lot of places are short right now so it's hard to do it so i say even if you do it like once every five six months where you have a day where it's just you and you plan it and you look forward to it and it's just you're not doing a honey do list you're not taking care of doctor's appointments or anything you just have a day where you can just do you whatever that is get outside whenever you have the time you know just have that break away in whatever you know whatever that is but a lot of people get very locked in. Um, you know, the life expectancy rate for law enforcement after retirement is five years. There's a reason for I, that. 2008. I'm doing well. Oh, well, good. My mom's been thank you. Seven. My mom's been retired seven and all the time she goes, I'm still here. And I'm like, thank God. <laughs> 
you know. And I'd like to interject one other thing, and then I'm going to shut up. Um, no, I wrote a book called 10 to 7, and uh, it's a memoir of reflection, humor, and gratitude. And um, one of my, my last chapter in the book is called Body Blows and Memories. And um, I talk about a couple of uh, nightmares and things like that. And, and you know, Lisa, it took me many years to admit some of that stuff that was coming back to me. And uh, no PTSD that I, I, I could put my finger on. Coming to having peace with some of the bad decisions and getting over myself as being, I thought I was a hero at some times. That was very therapeutic for me. And um, I have my class. I say, I'm, get the book, read the last chapter. If you want to read the rest of it, that's fine. But um, any advice from me for the students ongoing on the roller coaster ride? And you, you hit it spot on. The nail was hit right on the head. To have that, to have that something that's not law enforcement to ground you back into the general society and, and away from the culture. Yeah. It, it, it's so important, and, and I, I love that, that section, that chapter that you wrote, because it's true. You have to find peace with some of those things. Um, you know, I, I'll say it this way. I worked with the military for a number of years, and I, I told my soldiers and my veterans, I said, I, I wish I can, and I say this to my officers too, I said, I wish I can take a wand, magic wand, and suck out all that stuff from your brain, and I can't. But God, I wish to anything I could. I said, those things are there to stay. I said, you can either let them swallow you or you can learn to keep your head above water. Some days are going to be worse than others on the job and when you're done with the job. You have to learn how to dig deep and focus on the controllables. You know, take, try, to, try to adapt your thinking in these situations. I, when I teach classes, I give the example, and I do this with the recruits at the academy and also my current officers. I said, you know, it's how you perceive things is what is how they impact you in the future. For instance, one of the things I have officers do is I write, have them write down what's the most impactful call that stays with you. And when I do my four-day classes, I have them do this. And so oftentimes it's, I couldn't revive the person. They passed away with me and I, you know, I, I was there and I couldn't do anything to help them. And I said, well, how do you look at it? How do you perceive that? How'd you process it? And they always say, I failed. And I said, what if you take a step back and you say, at least you were there with them in their final moments and they didn't pass alone. How can you look at things differently so that they don't impact you with that, with that same level of negative trauma? You know, give a death notification. Well, it's a horrible thing and you're a part of changing somebody's life, right? Give it, going into a family's home and having to do something like that. There's no way to, to, to package it any differently, but the way that you can look at it differently is saying, I'm glad that it was the, I was the one that did it because I did it in the most compassionate way. And I was there to offer support at a time where they needed it. It's like, how can we look at it differently so that you can carry that on with you because you can't get rid of it. But how can you process it? And the sooner you process it after these traumas, the better it is for you. There's there's a lot of research that looks at, you know, if you, you put it on the shelf. And I understand having a shelf something for your shift. Like you got to get the job done. You're in the middle of a, a scene. You got to process it, do whatever you got to do. But putting it there and thinking that it's never going to impact you is just wishful thinking. It's exactly you at some point yeah the earlier you process it and you kind of wrap your head around it the easier it is and then the other thing and i see this tremendously you know lacking with younger people and not to you know put you know bad you know on younger folks but they're coming into this profession with a lot fewer coping skills than officers did 20 years ago and i'm sure you can kind of look at and i talked to a lot of ftos and they're like give me some give me something to say to my 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 trainees because it's like they're like, I don't know what to do. And, you know, people look at things differently today than they did 20 and 30 years ago. And so it's learning how to cope and how to manage with these things, how to look at things differently and change perspective of things. 
that really can change the course of how these events are going to impact you. They are part of the job. It's not, it's not, sure. that's not going to change. We know that it's part of the job. What are you going to do to adapt the way that you manage it and think about it so that you can look at it in a different situation and it, or in a different light so it doesn't affect you so negatively? That's really well said. And you are an excellent instructor and we really appreciate our relationship with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for appearing on this podcast and we look forward to scheduling you to more and more classes. Absolutely. Thank you. And it was great to speak with both of you. Nice. All to right. Meet you. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate yeah. it. I got so many things I'd like to talk to you about, but thank you. You give me, you give me a call anytime. And I, and I always say that to everyone, I said, you know, I, whatever I can do for anybody, I will absolutely do it. But I thank you so much for having me, Mark, and for bringing about this important topic because it's some of the most crucial stuff that we keep overlooking, unfortunately. Thank you so much for listening to the PATC podcast. We wish you and your family to have a wonderful holiday season. I know here at PATC, we're happy to uh, ring in the holidays and end New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to all of you. One.